The Lord is risen indeed. Each day, we monks begin the office of vigils with one of the longest and most elaborate chants of the divine office called the Invitatory. From Easter Sunday through the Ascension, the refrain for the Invitatory is, The Lord is risen indeed. Simpler versions of these same words also serve as responses during the shorter offices of sext, which is midday prayer, and vespers, which is evening prayer. This means that all told, we repeat them up to three times a day for more than 40 days. Now, repetition is a mark of importance. The liturgy is inviting us here to pay attention. And it's not just the Easter liturgy that is extending this invitation. It's also, as some of you may know, one of the traditional Easter customs of Catholic culture that extends the invitation. The Lord is risen indeed is a traditional way that Catholics greet one another on Easter Sunday and throughout the octave of Easter. Perhaps many of you grew up exchanging this greeting in various languages. I was delighted a few weeks ago to receive an email reply from someone I've never met that opened, He is risen indeed. So if we accept this invitation and pay closer attention to these words, what do we discover? I'd like to suggest that the key word in this statement is indeed. We might call it the Easter indeed. Now, the word indeed has several different meanings depending on context. Sometimes it can express emphasis, as, if, uh, as in, if that happens, I will be very glad indeed. Or sometimes it can mean really or truly, as in, Yes, what you say is indeed the case. The first of these we might call the indeed of intensification, and the second, the indeed of verification. I'd like to suggest that the Easter indeed is the indeed of verification. And the words themselves provide the first evidence. In Latin, the Lord is risen indeed is, some of you may know, surrexit dominus vere. Vere comes from the Latin verus, which means true. To verify is to establish the truth by examination or demonstration. It's something that happens between more than uh, more between people, between two or more people. So it's reciprocal. The Easter indeed is indeed and indeed a verification not because of the word meanings primarily, but because of the story from which uh, the words are drawn. Now, before we look at today's gospel from John 13, I'd like to examine this story, which is the disciples' uh, walk and encounter with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. The road, pardon, the word the words, the Lord is risen indeed, is the response of the 11 disciples gathered on the evening of Easter Sunday. Clopas and the other disciple, who encountered the Lord Jesus on the road, returned to Jerusalem, and they recount what had taken place on the way and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Now, this story shows us that there are several aspects to the indeed of Easter. First, 
The risen Lord Jesus appears unexpectedly. At first, we may not recognize him. He may even appear, in Mother Teresa's words, in distressing disguise. St. Benedict invites us to look for him in the abbot, even when the abbot may be issuing a correction or a difficult obedience. He invites us to look for him in the guest and in the sick brother, even when they may challenge us with unusual or excessive demands. Now, this story also shows us that our encounters with the risen Christ outside the liturgy naturally lead into the liturgy, and they find fulfillment there. Just as the disciples gather with the Lord Jesus on the way to Emmaus, as the word is preached, as he speaks to them uh, of the Christ who was present in all the scriptures, and just as the Eucharist is celebrated when he breaks the bread, their eyes are opened, so indeed at the liturgy our eyes are opened, and we come to recognize him more fully. Third, this indeed is something that, as I said, is shared. It's a reciprocal acknowledgement of the risen Lord Jesus. So they return to Jerusalem, and they discover there that the Lord has already appeared to uh, Simon Peter. Now, this appearance doesn't actually uh, appear anywhere in the Gospels or in uh, any of the scriptures. Uh, there's something very mysterious about it. St. Paul testifies to this appearance to Peter, that it, uh, he appeared to Peter first, but we never actually have the chance to witness this ourselves. We have to rely on the church's testimony, on the, the rock upon whom the faith is founded. So the church provides this acknowledgement, this reciprocal testimony and verification that our own encounters with the Lord Jesus in word and sacrament are true. So what does this then uh, suggest about today's gospel? From John 13, uh, we encounter uh, the Lord's words at the Last Supper. And this is not, at least at first uh, appearance, the risen Lord Jesus who is speaking. In fact, uh, this is just prior to his uh, humiliation, his betrayal. Judas departs at the opening of the gospel. But the moment of his humiliation is the very moment of his glorification. And uh, he says, as Judas departs, now is the Son of Man glorified. So in fact, this is the risen Lord Jesus who is speaking to us. Uh, the risen Lord Jesus present as he is present in all of the Gospels, speaking to us now in the liturgy, uh, risen and alive. And this helps us to understand uh, the significance, finally, of the new commandment, because this also is a manifestation of the Easter indeed. This also is an appearance of the resurrected Lord Jesus. To love as he has loved us is to love even those who have betrayed us, to forgive even those who have persecuted us. It is to manifest the presence of the risen Lord Jesus to others, and indeed to receive from others uh, the love that he offers them, and which they then uh, can uh, 
can manifest in their love towards us. So this will indeed be the verification of, uh, of the love of the new commandment, is that we love as we have been loved. Uh, and this is the Church's response to all of the appearances of the risen Lord Jesus that we encounter during the course of the Easter season. The Lord is risen indeed.